fans, I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle, in the daytime, I'll be talking all things New York sports with you on this football Sunday. Right up until the Bud Light Giants radio pregame show right here on The Fan. Emmanuel and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And we are working on a weekend like usual. Hey, you guys know that number. It's already pre-programmed into your speed dials. 877-337-6666. And let's load them up with your best content only, please. At 1.40 p.m., there's going to be a very special NFC East showdown of my beatboxing segment. Repping the Giants is a great friend of the show, Madeline Burke, Giants.com and Sports Illustrated. And competing for the Cowboys will be RJ Choppy. He's the morning show co-host on 105.3 The Fan, our sister station in Dallas. Also a New Jersey native right outside Princeton. So there you go. That segment is a fan favorite and a host favorite. So you don't want to miss out on that segment with a live vote on Twitter. I'll also weave in some sound from my one-on-one with New York Giants legend Harry Carson at Derek Jeter's Turn 2 Foundation Gala the other night. You guys are in good hands today. And remember just last weekend when we talked about which winless New York football team would win a game first, the Jets or the Giants? Remember when we, just last weekend it looked like so dire for both of them that some callers actually called me up asking if either team would win a game at all. Remember when I put that poll up on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and the majority of you chose the Giants, and I chose the Jets? Well, maybe we should talk about this every week, because that was a good luck charm. They both ended up winning their Week 4 games, and I'm pretty sure that we, you and me, had everything to do with it, if I'm being honest. I picked the Jets to win their first game first, but technically the Giants chronologically did. Their game against the Saints ended about 15 minutes before the Jets beat the Titans. Technicalities! After the Jets locked up their own W, I then asked myself, when was the last time that happened? That both of them won on the same day? I fired up Twitter, and I didn't even actually have to do a search because, boom, it was right there for me. In my feed, in the flurry of activity that is a Twitter timeline, posted 13 seconds before I opened it, was a tweet from CBS's Stats and Info account with all the information I was looking for. So clutch. The Jets and the Giants won on the same day for the first time since December 22nd, 2019. It was the first time ever that they won a game in overtime on the same day ever. The Jets Jets are across the pond. Don't look like they're going to be able to get it done, but maybe they will. They just scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion to pull within three points of the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll see what happens, and then all eyes are going to point to the Giants. I predicted a Jets win 24-17 to this morning, and man, am I kind of sort of looking like a, almost a genius. Almost. You'd think, I thought, that the Jets had a chance with Calvin Ridley out. But you also knew that it was going to be Kyle Pitts' time to shine and his game to shine. Well, with one minute and 42 seconds remaining in just the first quarter, on the Falcons' first too easy possession, Kyle Pitts scored his first NFL touchdown on a first and goal. In fact, the whole first half was too easy for the Falcons. The tone was set early on, I think, when Quincy Williams was flagged for roughing the passer on Matt Ryan. 
I mean, it was timed perfectly. I guess it was because uh, he let his weight fall on Ryan. But what is he supposed to do? Kyle Pitts, at this very moment, has 76 total yards on seven receptions and a touchdown. Seven receptions on eight targets, that is. So he's catching the ball great. He's got some stick him on his gloves or whatever. But here's what you need to know from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in terms of the tone of this game. At the conclusion of the first quarter, the Falcons had two scoring drives on the board and the Jets had two three and outs. At halftime, Zach Wilson was five for 13 with 42 yards and an interception. Wilson was slow in making decision. His timing was horrible, and his throws were wildly, wildly inaccurate. Short arming passes, of hopping, you know, skipping right in front of the, uh, the wide receivers, throwing behind the wide receivers, overthrowing footballs, and some were just flat out not close and missed, including one in the end zone. At halftime, Atlanta scored on four of their five possessions. The Jets defense had given up 250 yards in 42 plays. In fact, this season, on the season, the Jets have been slow starters. They've actually been outscored 75-13 in the first half so far this year. 75-13. And after all that, after all of this, the Jets now sit, I'm looking at the TV in the studio, down by three points with six minutes and 49 seconds left in the game. They still actually have a chance. They had, And it was all set up by the momentum that they had coming out of the, the, the first half. They received the kickoff. Tevin Coleman took the ball 65 yards down to the Falcons' 29-yard line. Talk about an express delivery to the red zone. The Jets actually scored a touchdown there, and they needed to. And then Amendola boinked the extra point off the left upright as I was coming down the street here, ready to park. And this Jets defense has not been good. But even still, the team did have a chance, and still technically does have a chance, to win this game. They forced a fumble on the 10th play of a Falcons drive in the third quarter. Then the Jets ran three plays for a net total of negative one yard. And you're like, okay, pack it in. Here we go. But then again, you guys know, everybody knows. I mean, all we have to do is point to that Super Bowl. The Falcons are known to choke. So we'll see. And Matt Ryan just had a huge completion to Kyle Pitts. Now he's got 115 yards on eight receptions and nine targets. Kyle Pitts is playing like the best player in that draft. He was the best player on my draft board, and he's certainly playing like it today when he's allowed to. And this is gonna this is his breakout game. Pitts was selected fourth overall in this uh, in the in the draft. But as of right now, it's 20 to 17. Falcons over the Jets with six minutes. Or no, five, uh, this is a little delayed here, with five minutes and 27 seconds remaining. Second and 12 for the Falcons, and they are they are driving. I will keep, if you guys give me both your ears, and maybe your eyes on the game, I got you covered. And by, and by the way, I made a bet this morning. Denzel Mims, anytime touchdown scorer. This is on the Bet MGM app, because I link it to my M Life rewards, you know. Plus 1,200. 
that sounded too good to be true to me. So right before I made the bet, I checked the injury report. He looked like he was going to be a full go. Then he, a few hours later, was not listed on the inactive list. This is like 6.30 this morning I did this. Then it was just a matter of how many plays the Jets were going to run with him on the field and how many times the Jets were going to target him. And as I look right now, Denzel Mim has been targeted exactly two times. Twice. One reception for 27 yards. Give him the damn ball. I'm pulling a line from Keyshawn Johnson. Give him the ball. Because... As everybody knows, the Jets really not have been using Denzel Mims as of late. So I put, I think it was, what was the bet? Oh, I had a free bet. That's right. I didn't lose any money on it. I had a $10 free bet that I put on him at plus 1,200. So if he scores a touchdown, I'm up 120 bucks. How cool is that? That's an easy, cool money Sunday. And can I take a second to say how much that I cannot stand the NFL's international series. I can't stand it. Like, I think it's really dumb. First, I had it on NBC4 when I was still at home. The quality of the sound of the commentators was terrible. The picture was blurry. And then I switched to the NFL network and was surprised to find that it was not blacked out. I was like, yes, the sound quality was much better, but the picture quality wasn't that. It was only like a little bit better there. Coming back, from, was it the first or the second commercial break? There actually was no sound from Gumbel or Archuleta at all on the, on the NFL Network. Like, come on. It's like JV-level production there. And I also can't stand when the pan... The, this is my favorite part of this whole international series. When the camera pans to the crowd and there's a total mishmash of people wearing jerseys from all 32 teams... During the national anthems alone today, I saw jerseys, and I counted, I wrote them down as I was watching. The 49ers I saw jerseys of, the the Broncos, the Colts, the Rams, the Giants, the Jets, the Saints, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Falcons. I mean, come on. And and, and what else about this? The uh, extra explanations from the referees to the crowd in attendance. I mean, all right, already... I think it's just a ridiculous initiative. It's clear that the NFL is trying to make a ton of money by trying to become the the international, you know, as international as the NBA is. But the problem is, basketball, the sport, is a global sport. Football, the sport, is not. It's like the NFL is seeking new fans, new eyes on the game, at the expense of its current current fans. Like, the Jets were on at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. My cousin is a Jets fan, and he lives in California. And I'm telling you right now, he did not wake up on a Sunday morning to watch a Jet game that begins at 6.30 a.m. his time. So I texted him. He texted me back at 11.26, and he wrote, I just woke up. How are we losing to the Falcons? Well, just not losing. We are getting blown out. I said, it's not good. And then he sent me back the, my favorite emoji of them all, the smiling face with the, the tear coming down. Whoever created that emoji is a genius. But it's just it's just horrible. I can't stand the international series. And, and not to mention that the crowd isn't even really into the game. They don't know what they're cheering for. I mean, it's a, 32 teams. Fans are representative in the stands. I hate it. All right, Post Malone, calm down. The Giants are not hoping for Dak Prescott to engineer a game-winning drive in his Week 5 matchup with the Giants. But... 
Prescott at this moment in time is the odds-on favorite to win NFL's Comeback Player of the Year award. And as of this morning, around 7 o'clock, I guess, I checked this, It was he was at a minus 165. For the Cowboys and him, it was the same NFL week, it was the same stadium, and it was the same opponent. One year ago, almost to the day, Dak Prescott suffered that compound fracture and dislocated ankle. And I remember watching that saying, wow, this is like Alex Smith's injury all over again. This could be career-ending for Dak Prescott. And I really did feel bad for him as they were carting him off the field, and he was just sitting in the back of it and crying. But as it turns out, both Smith and Prescott were miraculously able to take the field again. And I say miraculously because did you see Alex Smith's documentary? Well, if you have not, it's called Project 11, and I highly recommend it. We'll just put it that way. And Smith, of course, won the Comeback Player of the Year for the NFL last season. But my question to Giants fans is going to be this. How insufferable will Troy Aikman be on today's call? I mean, he is the opposite of unbiased while he's in that Cowboys booth and with the Giants on the field. I mean, it is so annoying, man. It's like I'd rather listen to the game on mute, honestly. Terrible. And I wish that that the, the radio synced up with the TV. I wish I could do that. After what he said about the Giants and the Cowboys, I'm wondering if during the broadcast, Troy Aikman is going to double down on it or back off of it and do the reverse, be extra complimentary of the Giants. Because in case you missed it, he said on a Dallas radio station, there's a quote, the Giants, they're coming off a big win, but the Giants aren't in Dallas's class as far as I'm concerned. Is it true? Well, we'll certainly have the answer by the end of the game today, won't we? And here's Joe Judge's reaction to Troy Aikman's comment. He said, in terms of what was said, look, this team is extremely good. We have to acknowledge that this is one of the best teams statistically that this league has seen in a long time. This team is an outstanding team. There's no getting around it. So I looked. Dallas's offense is third best in total yards per game, 420.8, and it's fourth best in points per game, 31.5. The problem is the Dallas defense, and that unit is in the bottom third in the NFL in points allowed per game. So... That's why I'd give pause to Aikman's statement myself. But there is some validity to it, at least offensively, if you're being honest with yourself. And the Atlanta Falcons have just taken a 10-point lead over the New York Jets with 2.19 remaining. The Jets have two timeouts remaining. What I'm looking for from both the Giants' offense and defense today. Okay, let's take the defense first. I really would just like to see some defenders actually wrap up and tackle guys. I mean, Taysom Hill, who is no Barry Sanders out there, broke literally seven tackles in eight yards in his touchdown run last week against the Giants in New Orleans, and it was sickening. I mean, that was like almost one broken tackle per yard on that run. Oh, yeah, and he scored a touchdown. Really, just unacceptable, I'd say. And if they could just tighten up their coverage on defense as to not make every opposing quarterback, including Dak Prescott later today, look like the second coming of Joe Montana, that'd be great. And I actually asked Harry Carson about that. So I'll bring that to you guys in a little bit. And and from the Giants' offense more specifically, I would like to see the next weekly installment of Daniel Jones' stock continuing to rise. He is coming off a game in which he threw a career-high 402 yards with two touchdowns, and I'm going to call this a fake interception. Because if you were watching the game, you know what I mean. 
It was on a jump ball with literally zeros on the clock in the first half. In that game, he held, uh, he led a fourth quarter game-winning drive for only the third time in his career, Daniel Jones. So it's not all good. It's great stuff from Daniel Jones last week. And you know what? My advice is now do it again. Today, I'm telling you right now, the challenge for him is going to be holding on to the football, which to his credit has been probably the most improved part of his game thus far. But this will be the most pressure that he's going to be under later today. He will be under duress. And despite the two rushing touchdowns that Sam Darnold had last week, the the Cowboys defense sacked him five times and hit him 11. Not to mention that if Andrew Thomas doesn't play with the foot injury, the Giants will be using their fifth different offensive line combination in as many weeks. I mean, everybody knows that Daniel Jones has the propensity to fumble the football once dropped behind the line of scrimmage. Can he, will he be able to hold on to it today? And if he does choke it up, you have to hope that it's not in a, in a very pivotal point of the game. Because... This game seems to be shaping up to be a Jones special today. I actually, here's another little bet that I put. I actually took Daniel Jones as an anytime touchdown scorer on FanDuel at $5. That's it, at plus 300. But actually, that was a mistake. I actually pulled the trigger too quickly. I didn't read it too carefully. What I meant to do was pick Jones to score two or more touchdowns. $5 at plus 3,400. Huh? Based on what Sam Darnold did to them last week. And I was going to cash out the first mistake one, but you know what? I was also going to cash out three. I only wanted one Bucks Super Bowl picks before the season started. I, I did three by accident. I meant to hit one, and it went three times. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to leave them. It was meant to be. And you know what? They won the Super Bowl, and that was the most money I ever won in my whole entire life. So I'm keeping the Daniel Jones bets. You know, it's 10 bucks. I'm a big Number eight fan today, by the way. Needless to say, let's go number eight on the Giants. Oh, and don't forget, of course, that it is Jason Garrett's homecoming party in Dallas. Do you think he'll open the playbook all the way up down there just to prove that he's not a vanilla play caller? Daniel Jones and me can only hope. Much more on this Giants-Cowboys-NFC East showdown coming up all throughout the show including my pick coming your way and and we will see the end, ending of this jet game live on air. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you on this football Sunday and I cannot wait to talk with you guys 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan in New York City. Danielle in the daytime here on the fan in New York City, everybody. The Jets have uh, pretty much run out of time. There are 33 seconds remaining, and they are down by 10. Game over. Game over for the New York Jets. Um, And I predicted a score of uh, Jets 24, Falcons 17. Uh, I'm going to make an addendum to that. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I reversed the score, but... I really thought the Jets were going to come out and win this game today. I really did, especially with that with no Calvin Ridley. And, and maybe if they didn't come out so stale in the first half, maybe they could have. I mean, 5 for 13 with 42 yards. I mean, they didn't pick up their first first down until like well into the second quarter. I think it was like five minutes left in the second quarter. That's when they picked up their first first down, the Jets. I mean, 
I think the Jets' defense was just to- totally, completely overmatched by by the Falcons. I mean, you, what's his name? Uh, Matt Ryan looked like a general out there, directing coverages, you know, point, pointing out the mic and everything. Just at the line of scrimmage, that's where the Jets were lost on defense, in my opinion. The motions were completely throwing the Jets off. Uh, he was orchestrating everything at the line and then picking apart the Jets' defense accordingly. And if the Jets didn't start off so slow, they could have maybe potentially had a real chance to win this game. And the Jets are on the, uh, what is it, the 19-yard line right now? No, the 14-yard line right now. Please throw it to Mims so I can win the money. Just please. Where's 11? Where is he? Okay. Zach Wilson is sacked miserably. I can't. All right, let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. Emmanuel is standing by to take them. Let's go. Kevin and Camden, you are leading off again today. Two in a row, Kevin. Game and it's over. But uh, I'm not. A, I'm like you. I'm not a fan of these London. I just. I don't know. I just. The, with the, I see, like you're saying, all the jerseys and the, the people. They, they seem like to me. Like you're right. They don't seem very into it. I'm just not. Eh. It's my first London game, and it's probably gonna be my last. I'm probably not gonna watch any more of these. Well, you have I to prefer just playing our own home stadium. <laughs> I know you, know you gotta watch. You gotta you gotta watch them though. Come on, Kevin. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very... This is terrible, uh, though. Oh, I'm, I'm an old school kind of... Uh, just, I don't know. And guess what? Now but, they're going to Germany next. Come on. Uh, and wait, please. Kevin, by the way, the Jets are bringing out Amendola for a 49-yard attempt on third down. I mean... What are, you, what? What are they doing? I'm watching it right now. I'm just... What? I don't, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I don't... You know, I guess, I guess the, next is I, coming an onside kick, and then maybe they'll try to heave one down the yeah, field, I no guess. T- there's no time I left. Know. The likelihood of that happening is not even... I can't. It's minute. I know. It's not. It's not. I don't get it. No, the Jets started off really slow. I was like, I picked the Jets to win too. I'm like, uh, I think they started off so slow. And mo- it, most, I was shocked. Most everybody I, did. I was watching the coverage before, and I, Willie McGinnis, they're all picking the Jets. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, but oh. uh, they they came out so slow today. I mean, if like you said, if they would have came out better in the first half, they probably would have a better shot. Now, as far as the Giants. With no Andrew Thomas, I, I got to be honest. I don't feel good about it. Well, uh, I mean, has he been officially declared out? I don't think yet. Uh, has he? Because I, I haven't checked the report, but I'm saying that he, I read that he wasn't practicing and whatnot. But I'm not sure. But if he doesn't play, because Daniel Jones will be running for his life. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they're gonna have Michael Parsons on there, who the Giants, in my opinion, should have taken. I, I would have. I wanted Michael Parsons on the Giants. All right, so here's the deal with Andrew Thomas. With the foot injury, he was did not practice Wednesday, was limited Thursday and Friday, and his official status is questionable. Well, I mean, it, it kind of depends on if he's playing, because if he's playing, then Jones will be protected. If he's not, Jones is going to be running for his life. Isn't that and, crazy? Isn't that crazy how, how everybody crapped on Andrew Thomas, and now everybody's like, oh, wait, now now without him, he's going to be running without his life, uh, with his life. I, I never hated the guy. I he, was just, he was learning off the top. Yeah. But he, he needs – he got better in the second half last year. I mean, maybe in this year he looked, he looked – I don't know. The first couple of games he looked pretty bad. But I understand – for Daniel Jones, he needs him because Daniel Jones, he's going to keep getting hit and keep getting hit constantly. And they need him to protect Jones. And, and the Giants, they, they need to, to address the O-line in the draft, and they didn't. And All right, Kevin, you picking the Giants today or no? Uh, I am going to pick the uh, – I would, yeah, I'm going to go with my hometown team. I'm not gonna, I, can't, I can't pick with that Cowboys. I just I okay. don't like them. Right. I do not like them. I, I'm, I might be wrong, but I can't root for the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I just, 
I have a, I, I work with two coworkers who are Cowboys fans. I work with, so I mean, I got a reason to pick the Giants, but. How insufferable are they, Kevin? How insufferable oh, are Cowboy fans? True story, real quick. True story. When I go to work all the time, they would be, hey, what's up, Eli? You feeling good today? They would call me Eli. I don't know why. But they, <laughs> I don't know if it was a, they were joking about it. But, I mean, they, and it's unbelievable how much. They, they talk about the Cowboys so much. Oh, it's unbelievable. All right, it's well, Kevin, like, you're going Giants it's, today. It's, it's horrible. Oh. <laughs> and there's only one other person who's a Giants fan, so there's, like, there's not many people at my work who are, you know, so I'm like, I'm kind of more alone here, oh, but, you know, no. I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. All right, Kevin. So thanks, Coach. I appreciate it, and it's good to be back in my usual spot. I'm loving it. Yeah, you're, you're leading off twice, two days in a row on this double Back in my spot. You know this. This <laughs> is the old days. We're bringing it back now. All right, well, guess what, Kevin? Friday, 7.30 p.m. You better be up. You better be first. Wait, fr- we're doing a Friday. I'm doing a Friday, 7.30 p.m. Mm. Yep. Mm. I got I to figure that out because <laughs> Friday is a I, I, Friday's very hectic for me, but I'll make time. I don't know if I'll be first, but I'll make time. Kevin, you're the best. I appreciate it. Always. You know me, coach. All right. Have a good and week. You're the best, too. You know, you're the, you know, you're the best, too. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All, all right. the love, Talk coach. Friday. As Joe B would say, all the love. Thanks, Kevin. And the Jets have officially, oh, clock ticks down, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, the Jets made the field goal. 27-20 will be the final. And then Matt Amendola attempted his first onside kick of his career, was not even close. The Jets fall to 1-4 at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons in London. That is a long flight home. Let's just put it that way for the New York Jets. Listen, they are a slow-starting team. If they were to just get some semblance of something going in the first half, this could have been a different score. Probably should have been a different score. I don't think that the Falcons are that good. On the way here, my dad's saying, oh, the Falcons are a good team. I'm like, Actually, I don't think they are. So we'll see who's right. Let's go. Paul in Floral Park. You're up next on the fan. Hello, Danielle. What's up, Paul? Oh, my God. You watching I, these Jets, I, huh? Uh, I, I mean, the, the, this is the way it's been for the last 40 years. Ever since I can remember. You know? Nor do I want to win eight Super Bowls. Oh, since 1969, I wasn't even born yet. You weren't even here yet. I don't know. Oh, my God. Typical thing with the Jets. Horrible. Uh, but anyway, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just disappointing, but, you know. And, and everybody yeah. knew that the Jets were going to have these growing pains. Everybody knew it. It was no surprise, yeah. you know. Right. But when right. they come out right. and they look dead, like, did they even get off the plane on time? Like, what are what were they doing <laughs> sleepwalking through the first half? <laughs> jet lagged? I mean, jets are jet lagged. Right. You get it? But, I mean, come on. Looked horrible. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, I gave you my prediction on the Giants. All right, so, Tom uh, and the Giants. Works out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, good Paul. Luck. Thank you. All right. Take Thanks. care. All right. Sorry about that. He's probably said, be good. That's what he always says when he hangs up. Uh, listen, the, everybody knew these Jets were going to have growing pains. Everybody knew it. Zach Wilson, he looked, I'm going to be honest, he looked horrible today. Underthrowing receivers, overthrowing receivers. He had Corey Davis when I was still home, so that was like the first quarter. He had him open. All he had to do was lead him. Threw behind him twice. I mean, that's all he had to do. Oh, and then they, you got the, the Falcons celebrating the Alex Morgan way. An ode to Alex Morgan, I'm sure that is, and they are drinking the tea in the end zone. What a disappointing loss for the Jets. I, I would call it disappointing. I think this was a game that they could have won and probably should have won. 
and the line was, I think, three. I think the the line was three at that point at, at the start of the game. I mean, this was this was a game that they could win. And then you look at the schedule, and you're like, okay, well, how many more are there, really, legit, really, that they can win? Falcons defeat the Jets 27-20. Lawrence in Austin, Texas. You're up on the fan. I'm in for a rough day today, I think, uh, Danielle. I'm in enemy territory. And I, I think that we have a false sense of security, right? So, so you, Lawrence, you are a Giants fan in Austin, Texas. Oh, oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I'm wearing my Kevin Boss jersey throwback right Kevin now. Kevin Boss. But, uh, I like it. sports clips, and uh, I had so many dirty looks. <laughs> oh, no. So what is it like being a Giants fan in down, down in the heart of Texas? Well, I, I don't think it's much easier than being a Giants fan in New York because the Giants are just so poor. Uh, people may, kind of feel bad for me, I think, down here, honestly. My, my <laughs> friends down here definitely feel bad for me. They, they invited me out today, but I'm not too sure I want to show face at any bar. Uh, well, here's I'm what you, because l- Wait, Lawrence, here's what you do. If the Giants have a lead in, like, I don't know, midway through the fourth quarter, run down to the the, the closest bar and, and with your Kevin Boss jersey on. Yeah, maybe I should wait and say, let's see how the second half goes. <laughs> maybe I'll meet up with them for that. Maybe. I would. I would if I were you. I feel like uh, the Giants won last week, and like that's great. But it's it's just a, a false sense of security, right? That the Giants could be a good team. Like the Giants are a bad team. I, I don't think they're going to be any good. Do you do you think that all of a sudden the Giants are going to turn around and, and be like a, a good team? You know, the only thing that I can think of as you were saying that was the fact that Joe Judge did not play his starters in the preseason, like at all. So this is almost like it's the preseason for the Giants in a way of like building chemistry, building all of that, mm-hmm. you know, building all of that up. So what are we in the fifth game? I mean, they should be kind of all system go right now. Like th- this should be the game. This is it. This t- I think today th- in a divisional game and an away game, I think this is the yeah. game that's going to define where the which path the Giants will go down this season. I really do think so. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I was calling in uh, at the end of the preseason after the first game, and Daniel Jones coughed it up the first time he got hit yeah. and it's because he wasn't warmed up. What do you, What was he doing not playing Daniel Jones all preseason? Something like he doesn't rep. Like, I was so – that he played, like, one, one or three quarter of football all preseason. Yeah, it was like a it's, half or something. Yeah. Like, poor management decisions. The guy's got to be warmed up. Yep. And, uh, and, and it's the beginning of the schedule was, are the games we were supposed to win. And now we're here looking at it like, oh, man, it's going to be a rough road. Yeah. Uh, and we should, we should have been, should have had two more wins. Could have yeah. had three probably if we were warmed up. Yeah. And I think that has to speak to his management. Uh, he's, on, he's on the line this year. Uh, he doesn't perform. All right. And, and, Lawrence, I wouldn't go that far to say that, that he is, is on the hot seat. No. But, listen, I was, as it was happening, questioning why they would not play the young quarterback, Daniel Jones, in the, in the preseason series. I mean, get him – one series a game is what I was saying. Get him one quarter, you know, towards the end. I mean, build him up. He is a young quarterback. He This is a make-or-break season for him, I think so, because the Giants have two first-round picks coming up in the next draft. Who knows if they're going to have that again the year after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, where will those picks fall? No one knows, but they have two in the upcoming draft. So you've got Daniel Jones, who can work on many individual things. I know none of the players are playing around him, but he can work on you know his pre-snap on the field, on the field versus an opponent that is not wearing a, a white, red, or blue jersey. 
on a real field against a real opponent. He could work on pre-snap reads. He could work, you know, mental game. He could work on, uh, you know, timing. He can work on his footwork. He can work on holding on to the ball, feeling the pressure, getting his internal clock in his mind going again. I think he was put at a disadvantage from the jump this season, and he's been performing excellently. But I think he was put, him and the offense was put at a disadvantage from the jump because they weren't getting enough, you know, time together against a real opponent. And I know that was happening in the joint practices, which I also can't stand, along with the London games, international series. I can't stand both of those things. But I think you have a valid point there. And then not just for Daniel Jones, but for, for the guys around him. But I do th- see this game, this Cowboys-Giants game, as a make-or-break game um, for the Giants uh, in terms of which way their season's going to go. If they beat the Cowboys, okay, well, then they're right back in contention in, in the NFC East. I mean, they're right in the thick of it. If they lose, well, it's going to be a, an uphill battle, as Miley Cyrus says. It'll be a climb. Let's go. Isaac in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Yeah, hey, Daniel, thanks for taking the call. Of course, thanks um, for making it. Look, I am the most crazy, optimistic Giant fan there is. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, the Giants are 3-1. and one. I think they're going to Dallas, and I hope, look, hopefully beating them. I think their offense, if they're clicking, and Daniel Jones is, you know, clicking and protecting the ball, I think they have a good shot against Dallas. I just, I'm a little nervous about them because Patrick Graham this year, the defense coordinator, is, you know, up and down last year. You know, they're locked down, you know, probably top five defense in the league. I'm just, you know, this week, you know, this year, he comes out against um, week one. They play Denver. He lays an egg. Yeah. Against, I don't know how good Atlanta is, but he played a good game against Atlanta, against Washington. So I'm just not sure what he's going to go against Dallas this week, which we know Dallas is a very, very good offense. What do you think the Giants defense is going to bring this week? Because mm. if they have a good game, I think they have a really good shot at winning it. Yeah, Isaac, and that's going to be, and we'll get into my Giants pick and prediction coming up right after this break, so hang on there. But I do think that the key to the Giants, one of them is going to be this de- this defensive play. I mean, this Cowboys offense is built purposely like a juggernaut. And if the Giants can slow them down, you're not going to stop an offense like that. I, I hate to say that about the Cowboys. You're not going to stop an offense like the Cowboys have built. But if you just slow them down enough, and your and your own offense is good enough to put some points on the board. I think the Giants. I think the Giants could come away with it. They could. My prediction uh, and some input from a uh, a Hall of Fame New York Giant linebacker. My one on one with him coming right up. Here we go. Giants-Cowboys, NFC East matchup coming your way. Pre-game. I'm leading you right up to the pregame at uh, 2.10 p.m. here on the fan, WFAN New York City. Uh, the injury report is always a good place to start when you're looking at, you know, who's going to win the game and how it's going to play out. So the Giants have a long list of players that are out. Peppers, Shepard, Slayton, Bredson, and a new name popped up as we just talked about a little bit, uh, a few minutes ago at least. The foot injury to Andrew Thomas. If he doesn't play, like I said, the Giants are going to start their fifth offensive line combination in as many games. So pay attention to that. For the Cowboys, out. Safety Donovan Wilson. 
Dorrance Armstrong, he's a defensive lineman. So I would say that my biggest concern for the Giants this weekend will be the number of explosive plays that the Cowboys, who are locked and loaded on offense, have the potential to break off. More specifically, in their passing game. The Giants made Jameis Winston look like a capable quarterback next week. He finished with 9.8 yards per attempt, which is basically a first down every time he threw the ball, and a 119.1 rating, which is like, to me, not indicative of Jameis Winston. That Those numbers are too high for Jameis Winston. And it's not just him, though. It's all of the quarterbacks that the Giants have played against this season. Because together, cumulatively, the Giants have the sixth worst ranking in terms of average quarterback rating allowed. If you're curious, 106.2. They also have the second worst ranking of completion percentage against. So here's what New York Giant and Hall of Famer Harry Carson had to say when I asked him this very same concept about why opposing quarterbacks seemingly have their way with the Giants' defense so far this season. Here's Harry Carson. You know, I really can't make any comments on that because I, I just think that these guys are still meshing, trying to come together. And, and I think that as time goes on, I think this uh, game against uh, New Orleans, I can see how they were getting their, their footing and they were working together. And hopefully, um, that is a good start for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I just hope that they continue to play pretty decent ball and, and not be that team that everybody wants to play, you know, for their homecoming. So. And uh, that was on the red carpet at Derek Jeter's Turn 2 Foundation Gala, which raised $1.1 million, by the way, um, for Jeter's leaders. It's a youth program, whatever, but not whatever. What I'm saying is, the fact that he kind of towed the company line and he was like, mm, hmm, okay. That's what Harry Carson had to say. You factor in to this Dak Prescott run offense, Ezekiel Elliott and his perfect complement, who is Tony Pollard. And they are coming off a combined performance of 30 carries, 210 yards on the ground, and one touchdown against the Panthers last week. And then you're looking at the Giants offense now. How can they come away with one, you're asking yourself? And for me, it's going to focus on it. it, I'm I'm looking at this as a two-pronged approach to the ground game. One, Saquon Barkley. It's a step in the right direction, but it's also week five. This is week five. He had a game to build upon last week, 13 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. That's not good enough. That's not good enough from your running back. You're you're drafted, what, number three overall? That's, That's not good enough. He needs to be a game-changer, Saquon Barkley. Big-time players step up in big-time spots. And this game definitely qualifies as a big-time spot. So keep eyes on him, of course. But then the key for me, the the other prong on the two-pronged approach, key player for me this week is going to be Daniel Jones. And what I mean by that is Daniel Jones, the runner. Yes, he's coming off a passing performance of 402 yards, career high. But this week... I'm focused on him as the runner because, A, the Cowboys' rush defense was not great against the Panthers last week. As a team, 
as a team now. Carolina rushed for 113 yards, which is about five yards a carry and two touchdowns. And guess what? Those two touchdowns were on the ground by guess who? Mobile quarterback Sam Darnold. In fact, Sam Darnold, the runner, averaged almost six yards per carry. And Daniel Jones, the runner, could put up similar, and I, I want to say better, numbers. Because he has to be aware of, of when the pocket collapses around him. He's got to be able to feel it immediately and then take off running. Because the Cowboys, if he hangs in there a little too long, the Cowboys are really good at getting after the quarterback. And despite those Sam Darnold two touchdowns, they sacked the Cowboys sacked him five times and hit him 11 times, and that's a lot. And a, a number, a name you're going to probably hear a lot today, Randy Gregory's number 94. He's going to be living in the backfield today, especially if Andrew Thomas doesn't play. So the game plan for Daniel Jones is be smart in your decision-making in terms of run versus hang in and try to pass, but be aware of the potential to be strip-sacked. I'm thinking at least one strip-sack today. I would say at least one. I really want to say two, but I'll keep it at one. And this is the last point I'll make before we get to your calls. 877-337-6666. The Jones-Galladay pairing. We'll have their work cut out for them in man coverage today because Trayvon Diggs has one or more interception in every game. And guess what? When quarterbacks target him, guess what their rating is? 40.8. You, If it's a man situation, you know he's going to be on Galladay. So if you got you know the Giants' number two receiver on your fantasy team, Kadarius Tony at this point because Shepard and, and uh, Slayton are out, load up on Tony, I would say. So here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing a shootout-style game. And it's going to be one in which the Cowboys rely on the pass for the big play, and it's going to be one on which the Giants rely on the ground game, that two-prong approach. I mean, that's how I would coach the game anyway. So with that, I think the Giants are just unfortunately going to run out of time because of their, what I think would be a, a running attack. Score prediction, Cowboys 35 Giants, 28. Cowboys, 35. I'm going to own it. See, I don't delete tweets and stuff, and I always put my picks online so you guys can see them, you know, so I can't hide behind them. I don't like hiding behind them. I'm going Cowboys, 35. Giants, 28. Sorry. Oops, I typed 25. 35. All right, we'll go to your calls. 877-337-6666. Emmanuel is standing by. Justin in Deer Park, you are up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. I'm sorry for trying to love you. It's up. Hearing the jet, you breaking the jet news. What was that, Justin? Sorry, I woke up when you announced the jet, so I sounded a little groggy because I still have morning throat. Oh, you have morning throat. You're just waking up now. Come on, get up, Justin. I know. I woke up soon at like like a twelve, oh. about twelve thirty, right after the jet ended. All right, you got to bring it to me. You got to bring it. What do you got for me today? All right. What is your take on how the Giants can win? What do the Giants need to do in order to win? Justin, we just went through the two-pronged approach that the Giants are going to have on the ground game. Saquon Barkley's got to step it up big time. Daniel Jones has to has to feel the pressure, know when to escape out of it, and not fumble or turn over the ball. I mean, I know those are like very easy things, but when you look at the history that the Cowboys have had against a quarterback running, example, Sam Darnold last week, I think the Giants might have a shot. Might. But that defense, 
Dak Prescott's going to cut it up if they're they're folding back into like prevent defense from the first quarter through the fourth quarter. James in North Arlington, you're up next on the fan. Oh, I'm really lucky because that caller really exemplifies basically the football in New York this season because he just woke up and neither team has really, really woken up. So, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know what? I call all the time, yeah. but I, I, I got nothing to say because he, he exemplifies what's going on. He's in a fog, and it looks like, for the most part, both teams are in a fog. What, what can I say? What, what can you say? Uh, what can I say? I mean, listen, I, I can tell you this. I can say that Joe Judge is a very effective coach. Um, I don't want to say in terms of results, but I'm saying in mentality of getting his teams prepared and ready to play on the road. And I think the Giants have embraced, completely embraced, um, the fact that they are going to be booed and they are going to be hated down there in Dallas, which is fine. It's a rivalry game. It, it should be. But that's the one thing I can kind of add to this conversation. And when he was asked about, you know, is it, are Charlie Aikman's comments like um, bulletin board material for you? He was like, we don't even have bulletin boards in our in our locker room. It's all TVs, and we we made it to the 21st century. Quite literally, he he answered that question because he's not trying to make any waves. I I did read that the Giants players all know about it. They are all aware of the comments, and. And although they won't say it, the, this Giants team is going to be hyped up because of them. Because Troy Aikman said that they are not in the same class, same league as the Cowboys. Well, today, everybody's going to see. And I'm just curious to see if Troy Aikman is now going to back off of those comments and be a little bit more complimentary of the Giants, overly complimentary than he always is, because he's insufferable to listen to on a Fox broadcast. Or is he going to double down on it? And we'll learn that right right at the outset. We've got, uh, is it Kevin Dexter on the update? Yes. Okay, we've got Kevin Dexter with an update. And, of course, more of your calls up to 210. Giants pregame comes your way here on WFAN Radio in New York City. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan on this football Sunday. It is 1 p.m. It's kickoff around the league for many teams, including the Eagles. Maybe you're interested in that game. Mm, Patriots, maybe you're interested in that game. Those, of course, being the rivals of our New York Jets and our New York Giants. The Jets fell to the Falcons. What was it, 27-20 over there in England? And I can't stand these international games. Let's just put it that way. And the Giants are in Arlington, Texas, to take on the Dallas Cowboys in an NFC East showdown. And this is for all the marbles, I would say. And we're taking you right up until the Giants pregame here, right here on WFAN Radio at 210. Manuel's behind the glass. He's awaiting your phone calls. And you know what? I just tweeted out something. Take a timeout for one second. Monday morning at 6.45 a.m., I signed up for a 5K with the Devils called Running with the Devils. I've been doing a little running after my daytime shows. Not today because I just looked out the window and it's still raining. But, you know, I'm not a runner, but for charity, I'm going to do it. And, and you guys can help. So on the break right now, I just tweeted out and put on Facebook. A, and that's at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter. 
facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Um, this link was created directly through the RJ, uh, RWJ Barnabas Health website. So that means 100% of the funds are going to go right to the hospital's emergency fund. 0% to me, 0% to any middleman that created the page. Like a GoFundMe always takes a little bit. So all I'm asking, you guys can help me support the 35,000 essential healthcare workers at Robert Wood Johnson Barnabas Health. And listen, I understand that times might be tough, could be tough. I get it. No donation is too small. And I know people always say that, but it's really true. And listen, if you can't contribute monetarily, that's fine. If you could just take two seconds, one second, and just hit retweet on it if you're on Twitter, or if you could just click share if you're on Facebook, and just maybe get it, you know, spread the word, get it to people that, who might be able to contribute. Or you do both. Some people have done both. And I got a donation at, I woke up this morning around 6.30, checked my email. I got a donation around 6 a.m. from someone labeled Anonymous. So thank you, Anonymous, whoever you are. And let's uh, let's give back to the selfless essential healthcare workers, and let's do it with my virtual 5K and with the New Jersey Devils. That I actually might, if I'm not working that Sunday, if I'm not working that Sunday, I'm signed up for virtual right now. But if I'm not working, David Deal told me as as we were you know switching in and out, he was going out, and I was coming in, and he was like, "Hey, I'm the ambassador for RWJ Barnabas Health, so I'll be there." And I was like, "Really?" He was like, "I said, are you going to be running?" He was like, "No, no, no, I'll be handing out waters at the finish line, maybe." Let me know if you go. All right. Well, if I'm not if I'm not working, let's see if I can switch that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's go back to your calls. 877-337-6666. Martin in Guilford? Martin, how do you pronounce that? I want to get it right. Guilford. Guilford. Okay. Guilford. Where is that? Just about 10, 5, 10 miles east of New Haven on the coast. Okay. Connecticut. All right. Got it. Guilford, Connecticut. All right, Martin. You're up. Go ahead. Listen, I uh, agree with everything you say pretty much, except the spread today. I don't bet much, but the Cowboys have played four games against very good or good teams mm-hmm. and have played very well. The Giants have played really nobody that's any good mm-hmm. and have barely won one game. And now they're on the road. I don't see how this game is remotely close today. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this game could go one of two ways. This could be an absolute blowout and it'll be over by halftime. Or the Giants can, can step up to the challenge that, that Troy Aikman issued them and, and they can play their hearts out. I mean, why, why would they be motivated by what Troy Aikman said any more than they would usually be motivated? You're an athlete. You try every hard every game. Does anything some announcer says is going to motivate you to play the best game you've ever said? Are they that dim-witted? I don't really get no, it. See, I mean, why me, would they try so really for, hard anyway? So for me, for me personally... I would be like, I would be extra ready to prove. I mean, I go hard 100% of the time, but I would give it that extra, extra, extra. I'd go a little bit harder on a hit to the quarterback. I, it's all little things that you can do to, to do that, to, okay, to make that point. Extra hit the quarterback to get 15 yards. No, 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 not that. No, 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 not that. Not that. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Or, you know, r- rip the ball out of his hands as he's on the ground. It's all little oh, things. It's all little it's things. It's billboard material, but, I mean, it makes a bit of a difference, I guess. But why wouldn't they be motivated to go beat the, the Cowboys, the Nemesis, every year anyway? Well, Joe Judge said they are. Joe Judge did say that. Joe Judge did say that. He said that. He did say that. He said, we are motivated. We are not motivated more by external forces. Come on. Or do you think, do you, do you disagree with Toykman? Do you think they're actually in the class of the Cowboys? Well, here is that question. Um, I... I think the the offense is in 
No, they are not comparable. The two offenses are not comparable. But I do think the Giants' defense, when they play how they're supposed to play, is a better talented te- uh, uh, unit than the Cowboys' defense. And yes. they haven't come close to playing a team like this so far. Yeah, that's that's why I said this is going to be this is going to be separate the boys from the men today. This is it. All right. This game. Listen, enjoy enjoy the game, Danielle. Enjoy hearing you on the fan. Thanks, Warren. Appreciate that. This is it, you guys. I mean, listen. If you are a player and someone tells you and insults you and says you are not in the same class as it as the other another team, oh my God, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to prove it every single day. I'm going to prove it on that field on Sunday, and you're going to have to watch it, and you're going to have to say my number, Troy Aikman, because I'm going to prove it to you. And it's little things. It's not going out and, and ripping the guy, getting a penalty, you know, getting a, a warning. It's not any of that. It's more subtle. I remember when I was playing basketball. We played against a rival team. Not going to give you the town, but we played against a rival team. It was like JV basketball, right? And I was like so motivated by 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 being playing that rival that there was one point, and uh, there was one point where no, the ref wasn't looking. The girl was punching me on the block in the stomach. She was like a boxer. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" So I wound up. Give her a right uh, hook, I guess. A right hook. Totally missed. Got my first uh, flagrant foul, whatever, ever. Ever, ever. Technical foul, ever. Didn't even hit her. But it's just a little bit of extra chippiness. That's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to see. And if I were a player, I'd be the same exact way. Because I have been before. Been down that road before. So, yes. Something that Troy Aikman, Mr. Cowboy, says about my team, if I'm playing on the Giants... If I'm a player on the Giants, if he says we are not in the same class as that D- Dallas Cowboys team, come on, I would take offense to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there any truth to it? I think if you're a logical person and a realistic person, you would compare these offenses and say they are in they are not in the same class. The defense, though, I think the Giants have a better talent, more talented defense. Not that they're playing the correct scheme, but that they're more talented. Because I don't know what they're doing on defense with this soft coverage. It's like prevent defense from from minute second number one I, from the first quarter. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Allen in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Great, Allen. How are you? Very good. The trade that the Jets should have made, they should have traded their seventh pick in the draft to the sixth and the 18th from Miami plus a service of offensive linemen. They could have traded the sixth off for Waddle Smith. They could have traded the 18th off to Nigel Harris. And the, the 14th that they got from a different trade, they could have got Max Jones. Well, Alan, you look at any draft, and you could say that too. I mean, look at all the teams that passed on Tom Brady how many times for five rounds. You could do that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. that's for sure. Come on, you can't say that. You can go down that list. Uh, any year you can go down that list and say, yeah, they should have, they should have, they should have. But you know what they should have done, Alan? The Jets should have gone up and gotten Kyle Pitts. That's what I wanted the Jets to do. I wanted the Jets to keep Sam Darnold and give him Kyle Pitts. That's what I wanted the Jets to do. Kyle Pitts looked uh, every bit of of the top draft pick, fourth overall draft pick that that he was in that game today. I'm scrolling down right now to the Falcons. Click Falcons. Kyle Pitts had his coming out party today. 119 yards. He caught 90% of the passes thrown his way on 10 targets, so he caught 9 out of 10 for 119 yards with a touchdown. And his longest was a 40-yard reception. Oh, oh man, how's that uh, for a weapon for a quarterback? I hate the word weapon, but how is that 
for a quarterback to have that little safety net built in. How's that for a struggling quarterback that you can hit him? You know, Sam Darnold was thrown to running backs. But again, you can look at any draft, any draft. And, and wouldn't all the teams look back at that draft with Tom Brady however many years ago and say, yeah, yeah, we should have picked Tom Brady or yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. Joe in Amityville, you're up on the fan. Hey, what's up there, Danielle? What's up, Joe? Let me tell you, I think you made a couple of really good points. Um, as far as I was an ex-athlete, but that's I'm not talking about me. This is a Dallas giant game. Yeah. And if they lose this game, they're not going to do well this season. Right. So I think, quite frankly, in my opinion, I go back to the Giants with Kyle Rote and those guys, like, you know, Sam Huff. I've been following them since I'm a kid. I'm 67 years old. Mm-hmm. My my belief is that the Giants win today. And I believe that Dak Prescott is going to have a great game. I believe that this kid Jones is going to actually come up. He's either going to be completely really very good, like a Phil Sims moment when he beat Minnesota yeah. with that pass from 19 yards to that guy. And that's the moment that the Giants actually became a, a, a good team. But that was under what's-his-name and uh, Parcells. Yeah. They got this kid, Joe Judge. He he doesn't want to lose. Right. Believe me, that statement that that idiot, uh, what's his name, the quarterback Aikman. over there? Yeah. They, they, that's on the wall. That not only is it on the wall, they got red circles around it. Yeah. And oh. every defensive lineman is going to eat this. I don't care who's in there. These guys are all professional athletes. I used to play ball, man. Yeah. You 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 know you you don't say that. You keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Either that or you tell the guy what's coming. And this this idiot opened up his mouth, and the worst thing that's going to happen is that somebody's going to put put his mouth closed, and they're going to and then he's going to have to eat it on the air. Yeah, and that's the best part about the whole thing, right? Because he's commentating the game. That's the best part of the whole thing. I, I, you know what I want to say? You you said thirty five twenty whatever the hell it was. What was it? Thirty five. I think the Giants beat them twenty seven twenty four or thirty one twenty eight. To your ear. And I think that Jones is going to throw for 400 yards. Saquon Barkley is going to either break out like he did with that last touchdown for six yards yeah. against St. Louis. Yep. There was no way he wasn't going to score. No way. No way that he was denied. And that has nothing to do with his, with his, with his knee. Yep. has to do with desire. That guy pushed off on the other knee and hit that guy so hard he knocked him back. <laughs> yeah. So I think, quite frankly... The Giants, with three points, are going to win. They're going to win with three points, but I tell you the truth, I think they're going to win by at least five to six to seven points because they're screwy. You know, they'll they'll get well, up, they'll lose the ball, and there'll be a defensive misplay, and they'll, the other guy will get the two points, safety or some crap. But Dallas, the crowd is going to be crazy. Yep. And the Giants got to shut up. They got to shut up. And we used to tell the kids when I coach, shut up and play. Yep. Don't listen to no extraneous stuff. Yep. But let me tell you, there's going to be a huge blackboard in the Dallas, in the Giants locker room, mm-hmm. and there's going to be one thing on it, which is Aikman's comment. Yep. And everybody's going to touch it when they go out, yep. and that's the commitment. Everybody's going to step up. They're going to step up big time, or they're going to get murdered. Yep. 30 to 3. That's it. And, Joe, great call there. And, and that's that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. This game can go one of two ways, and and it, you're going to see it right from the outset. You're going to see if the Giants come up and they, you know, 
see, if I were the Giants and, and if I win the coin toss, I'm picking that I want to keep the ball. I don't want, I mean, I want to receive the ball. I want the first chance to get down there and shut that crowd up from the get-go, from the start. And you know how I would do it? Here's how I would do it. Daniel Jones is the most effective quarterback, or was, last season. I say this every single week. He was the most effective quarterback on passes over 20 yards in the league last year. In the league! That's how I would open up this game. I would get, I would receive the kickoff if it's if it's my choice. I would receive that kickoff. Either way, though, the first play from scrimmage is going to be a bomb down the sideline to Kenny Galladay. Go up and get it. That's what they brought you into New York for, is to go up and get those 50-50 balls. That's what I would do. I'd bomb it. Bomb it out to Kenny Galladay. And then hand it off to Saquon Barkley. And I hate when Saquon Barkley goes, you know, uh, east-west. He's a north-south runner. Get in there, hit the hole, and go for it. That's my game plan. Jason Garrett, oh, maybe he'll be out to prove that he's not a vanilla offensive coordinator either. But that's my game plan, and absolutely it gives you a little extra edge. You Really? It, maybe in, in the 1920s that would not have been because maybe it, it took seven days to get there to the Giants' ears, from his mouth to the Giants' ears. We live in the 21st century, 22nd, whatever it is, century. We live in the year 2021. That quote from Troy Aikman made its way to East Rutherford in in mock time. Those Giants know everything about it. One of the players texted somebody at SNY and said, oh, yeah, we know about it. But you don't do it. Or or you could do it one of two ways. Someone steps up and and nails Dak Prescott or nails Ezekiel Elliott or or whatever receiver catches the ball right from the outset. You could do it that way and take that penalty right in the beginning. I would not suggest that way. I would just do it more subtly. You know, you tackle the guy to the ground, rip the ball out of his hands as as there is like a little scrum on, on the ground. That's what I would do. That's one thing I would do. You know, I would nail a, a, a receiver right at the line of scrimmage. If I were, you know, in, in coverage, nail him right at the scr- line of scrimmage. Boom. Let him know you're there. Let him know you're there for the rest of the game. Absolutely. The Giants are going to be a motivated bunch. Are they good enough to overcome it? You know, we're not sure. No one's sure. Because this could be one of two. This can go one of two ways. And anybody that knows the Giants will tell you that. My final, my prediction is going to be Cowboys 35, Giants 28. Because I feel that the Giants are going to have to win this game on the ground. And I think they're just going to run out of time. Whereas the Cowboys are going to be, you know, um, doing it through the air. So my next question to you guys is going to be this, but before we get there, Jim McKinney. Jim, you are the man. Jim McKinney made a donation to my Running with the Devils uh, 5K run walk. I'm doing the run. Well, you know, run and walk probably, but Jim McKinney, you are the man. He just made a huge, big, not huge, he made a big donation, a really big donation. Jim, I, I probably don't think you, you mind me saying this on air. It says, I just got an email. Jim McKinney just made a $259.38 donation to your fund, 38 cent donation to your fundraising page. Jim, you're the man. You are the man. We have reached the fundraising goal and we are going to, we're going to raise it. We are going to raise the fundraising goal. Jim, thank you very much. Anybody else that wants to make a, a donation, I did post it on Twitter. Uh, the link, it's the last thing I tweeted and it's also on Facebook too. So Jim, you're the man. Thank you very much. 
and the 35,000 healthcare workers at Robert Wood Johnson Barnabas are also helping uh, are also thanking you. So my question to you everybody listening right now, you can get on the phone and call me. Has Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the Giants number 8, performed well enough to quiet the haters, to silence the critics, to answer some of the questions surrounding his ability level and his future with the team? Giants fans, have you reached a verdict on number eight, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes? Call me up, 877-337-6666. The man who always tries tricking me with the songs coming back, and uh, I nailed this one too, Linkin Park. Yeah. Cool. All right, welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here. We are, you know, less than an hour left until Giants pregame comes your way, radio pregame comes your way here, right here on the fan, everybody. So this is this is your call to get aboard, 877-337-6666. I've got confirmation from Lou DiPietro. Hi, Lou. He uh, He's going to have that Harry Carson video interview up on the WFAN social media channel sometime today, he said. So great, thank you. Appreciate that. Lou is the man. And uh, yesterday, if you missed it, the Joe Torre interview, he put the Joe Torre interview up yesterday as well. So, Lou, Chicken Parm Lou, you're the best. And then I got a final one coming out, which I have not been able to edit together. It's been quite busy. But the final one is Derek Jeter. And those all three, three of those interviews came from the red carpet at Derek Jeter's Turn 2 Foundation Gala. Raised $1.1 million. So my question to the Giants fans was, has Daniel Jones done enough? Okay. He's in his third year of his four-year deal rookie deal, by the way. And the Giants have two first-round draft picks in the year 2022. Have you Giants fans reached a verdict on Daniel Jones? Give me a call. And only with your, with, bring some bring facts, bring your well-thought-out opinions. Because what I'm about to tell you, it might help you reach a decision on the guy. Daniel Jones, last week, was named NFC's Offensive Player of the Week for Week 4. When the Giants beat the Saints... In New Orleans, in the Superdome, one of the most difficult places to play on the road in the league. I am sure of that. And that's a good precursor to Jerry World. And by the way, that game was in overtime. So Daniel Jones had a career high, like we said, 402 yards, two touchdowns, and one fake interception that was a jump ball at the end of the half. First half, that is. And actually, that was only his second interception in about what works out to be like 10 games. And that wasn't even like a real one. So that accumulated in a passer rating of 109. And he was directly responsible for two points on the two-point conversion run that he had. Over the final three possessions in that game, where the Giants scored 17 unanswered points, Jones completed 73% of his passes, including that 50-yard touchdown pass to Barkley. So... That was the third time in his Giants career that he's led a fourth-quarter game-winning drive. Now, is that enough to make a set decision on Daniel Jones? All of those stats, all of those numbers, the award of being the Week 4 NFC Offensive Player of the Week, for me, no. If I'm John Mara at this point today on October 10th, I am not going to bank my franchise on a quarterback who has been the opposite 
of consistent just yet anyway. So what I'd say is, is this. It's a step in the right direction. It's a giant step in the right direction. <laughs> no pun intended. But also keep in mind that that was all done without Sterling Shepard and without Darius Slayton, who are Daniel Jones's top two guys. It's no secret. So the advice that I would give to Daniel Jones is do it again. Do it again in week five against the best team in your division. And again, I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's the advice that I would give him. So I'm right now, no. That's a great performance. Now do it more consistently. Do it again in week five in a game that really, really matters. And if you're looking at uh, the the out-of-town scoreboard as it pertains to the Giants, the Washington football team is leading. Oh, I'm sorry. The New Orleans Saints are leading the Washington football team 7-3, to three, still very early in the first quarter. Washington football team is in the red zone. It is third down. Let's go to Brad in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You are up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you this afternoon? Great, Brad. How are you? Um, good. My opinion is I see shades of Eli. I see a guy who's constantly improving. Mm-hmm. He's not my problem. My running back is my problem. And when you look at next year and you look at the draft, I don't see quarterbacks coming out that are better than Daniel Jones. Right. In fact, I would be working on the defensive side of the ball and get me a pair of pass rushers on either side. Mm. Or a cornerback, or a lockdown cornerback. I know they have Bradbury. Uh, you know what I mean? It's 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 like, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's not what it was last year. So I, I like that. I like the plan. I would definitely stick with him. But I don't they know if I They need someone in the middle. They, yeah. They, you know, they, they never got over the loss of Tomlinson. Yep. And when yep. I look back at, the, at the, that whole Daniel Jones, the whole year, I mean, if you looked at it, they passed on the Buffalo quarterback so that they could get Barkley. Yeah, Josh Allen. And then the next year they took Jones. So, and then they then because of that, they lost the pass rusher. So living outside of Philadelphia, I'm starting to feel like it's shades of bad general management from Dave Gettleman. And a guy who was supposed to be building the lines for the last four and a half years I'm not impressed when I see a team like Philly throw five new guys in this year that are under the age of 27, and now they're gonna they're gonna play together and gel together for I, a I very just long don't time. See it on the line either. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you on that. And and that was the, the pick of. And thanks, Brad, for the call. That was the pick of. Uh, well, the, the acquisition of Nate Solder too, which is was you know you got to be careful damaged goods from from New England. You got to be careful with it. Right? Listen, and I know he went through a lot personally with his son and all that, opting out. I get it. But it is what it is. He hasn't played up to his contract potential. And and listen, I would not uh, – what do I say? I would keep – I think I would keep Daniel Jones at this point. I think I would keep him, but I'm not re-signing him at all. I'm letting his playing out his, his fourth year of his deal. There's no re-upping before the time is up whatsoever at all, period. And then they'll have to reevaluate and see where they are. Do they want to pay him or do they want to start the cycle all over again? Like a la the New York Jets, shades of the New York Jets at that point. Let's go Ralph in Patterson. You're up next on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Big fan, long time listener. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate that. I'm, I was calling about uh, Daniel Jones. In my opinion, today, today's game is a measuring stick. Yes. As a first-round pick, uh, first-round pick, number six overall, in your third year, you got to start showing improvement. Yes. You know, and, and I used to be a former quarterback, so I know a little bit about the position. And, you know, going into your, your, third, your third year, 
up against the Cowboys. He played well last week, and I was I was uh, impressed toward the end of the game. He stepped up when he needed to. This game right here, if we compete and we just lose, I think we're going in the right direction. If we win, which I think we will, if we win, we're going in the right direction. If we get blown out, it's definitely blow it up, rebuilding, rebuilding year all over. Well, but that's all I got to say. Yeah, Ralph, and certainly there's a lot riding on this game. And we're just going to have to wait and see which team shows up. You know, it, like I said, I keep saying it could go one way or the other. And I think Giants fans, though, I'll disagree with you there, and I should have kept you on, but I disagree with you there for on one thing, that if, if it's close, it's a good, it's a move in the right direction. No, the Giants, they, they have to win this game today. There's no more moral victories going on at the Meadowlands for the Giants anyway. Maybe for the Jets, but not for the Giants. This is the third year. He's, like you said, you outlined it perfectly. First-round draft pick, he has to go down. This is why they drafted him first round overall. He's got to go down there in Dallas and show them who's boss. This is a game that Daniel Jones has to has to own. The Giants have to win this game. Again, it's, it's a pivotal part of their season today because as you look at it, in my opinion, Dallas is the best team in that division. This is the team to beat. And what a day to go down there and beat them. Let's go, Chris, in Bayshore. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Hey, uh, from one teacher to another, I think that you can definitely win with Daniel Jones, without a doubt. I think that there are two things that hurt him, and, and that's when they picked him and the fact that some of the other moves by the GM have been spotty. So you look at him, and you kind of look at him with a little bit of a different uh, you know, a, a different opinion. But mm-hmm. he absolutely has shown enough that this guy can, can win. It's just... Obviously, the supporting cast is big this year. He has it, but you know. And, and if you look at other successful quarterbacks at, at this point, you know he's ahead of some of the guys that wind up being pretty good quarterbacks. Yes, but he's got now. It's got to translate to W's. It's got to translate on the field to wins. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I totally agree. It's, it's obviously it's a production league. You got to win. But as far as what he's shown you and, and as far as what he can do, I definitely think he can win in this league without a doubt with uh, with other things falling into place. Yeah, and that's a good point. With other things falling into place. Thanks, Chris, for the call. Um, yeah, and a supporting cast. And, and, and maybe 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 the wrong question. Maybe it's the wrong question to question Daniel Jones. Maybe the, the onus lies on, uh, on Saquon Barkley, even. I don't know. I just think with the, I mean, there's a lot of talent on uh, weapons and all that. Kenny Galladay, like all these guys. There's a lot of talent on this Giants offensive side of the ball. Now go down there, go to Dallas, and get a win. Let's go. Ben in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Morning, Coach. I'll get past my disappointment in my defense today in England to, to just hit you with a quick Giant point. Yes. Um, honestly, I can see the, the offense struggling against Dallas a little, but... The question for me is, can the Giants' defense right. just contain Dallas long enough for the offense to kick into gear? As, as you said, uh, it's Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, uh, this, this, this game is possibly a measuring stick for him because he's going in literally with one arm tied behind his back with two of his best receivers out. Right. What can you do? To uplift your team. Well, Ben, the one thing I will counter with that is last week he didn't have them either. And he went down there and won a game in the Superdome in overtime. 
that's true, but this is but this is going up a weight class. Yep. I think Dallas definitely has more talent all around on the team than New Orleans does. So, hey, yes. D, you can't make stupid mistakes. You can't get this offense in a hole. Right. Okay? you got to just persevere here. If, if you have to win this game 9-6 then you win this game 9-6. But for your season to have relevance, oh, you can't get blown out here. If the Giants get blown out here, it invalidates last week, definitely. Yes. And thank you for the time, D. Good luck with the new slots. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. Um, and, and you're right. If this is a, it's an L today, it definitely invalidates last week. That's a great point there. Charlie and Totoa, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Great show. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. How are you? Good. As a former uh, collegiate quarterback on an old defunct one double A level, <laughs> that's still good. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh I was very happy. I never made it to uh, the NFL, but I played enough of college football. When they drafted him, I always liked him in college. Was he worth the number one? I don't know. Uh, do we believe Gettleman that many teams are after him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I look at him. Does he have the skills? Absolutely. But what people have to realize, there are many quarterbacks that don't make it, that came through the NFL, a Brady Quinn. Uh, I mean, just look at the Jets Brennan. quarterbacks for the past oh my, my lifetime. They, talent. they all can throw. Yeah. My thing is this with Daniel, and I see third year, and I agree. There are no moral victories today. I'm still concerned with the internal time clock. I watched him two weeks ago when he held the ball for almost four seconds, never once looking to his left, and he gets hit and fumbles. Uh, he's got to win today. I mean, I like him. Does he have the skills? Yes. But many quarterbacks have had the skills, and they just never made it because of all the other intangibles. Right. And one last thing, and yep. I'll hear your opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It's 11 men on that offense. Uh, I think Gettleman's got to shoulder some of the blame. Uh, but do I think Daniel Jones is the answer? I'll be honest. Uh, great game last week. I need consistency, and he really needs to show me week in and week out that he can win in the NFL. I mean, all good points. I mean, really. And, and and you look at a bunch of quarterbacks, like I said, Charlie, and thanks for the call there. Great point. I love you bringing in your own personal experience there, but – Look at all these quarterbacks. It's like it's none of them are are a guarantee, you know. And it depends on the situation that they're in. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was in a great situation where he was in college, and now he's on the Jaguars. And when you get picked that high in a draft as a quarterback, you'd have to know you're going to a team that's not so great. Let's get Nick in Babylon. You're up on the fan. Yeah, how you doing? What's up, Nick? Do, do you even do you even ask the question? whether Daniel Jones is uh, the Giants answer for quarterback. To me, that indicates that you may watch the games, but you don't have the foggiest idea what you're looking at. You're talking to me? And I think you... you tell telling yeah, me Yeah, you. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. You, really? you got the clue. Really? You're tell me why. Nick, really? give, me, give me an exact reason why. Give, you, me, give me an example. No, no, give me an example okay. of how you know more New than me. Orleans, 402 yards right. New Orleans. In New Orleans. 
Did you see the game? Did I watched watch every snap of that you game. don't know what you're looking bro, at. Bro, bro, Nick, you're getting, you're getting the clown treatment here, Nick. You have here's no idea. Another, Should, tell me example. tell me another game where he threw I'll, that. I'm pointing I'll out I'll the inconsistencies. Oh, sure, go no, ahead. No, I'll give you. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You, yeah, 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 go ahead. Of you, yeah, yeah. Of you being clueless, okay? Okay, yeah, show me. You said, you said on the air that Zach Britton was taking a, a mental break. He wasn't hurt. There was nothing wrong. No. Come on, Nick. Come on, Nick. That's you not what I said. That. Nick, no, maybe that's maybe you missed a word. Maybe exactly your radio cut said. out there, Nick. No, that's no, not what no, I said. Exactly. Come on, bro. Nick, what I said about Zach, Br- Zach Britton was that I was hoping he was taking a mental break because he was having an atrocious season. I was hoping that it wasn't going to be a, a catastrophic injury. I was hoping it was just going to be a veteran hoping for a mental out. That's what I said. Maybe you didn't hear me quite quite clearly there. And do not come on here and be disrespectful to me, Nick. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I know exactly what I'm looking at. You point out another game where Daniel Jones was named NFC Player of the Week and he put up 402 yards. That You can't because that was a career high. I'm talking about the inconsistency that he has shown. That was an excellent game. That's why he won the award. Great. Good for him. Now do it again this week. And do it again the week after. And then we'll have that conversation, Nick. And no, I did not call out Zach Britton for having a fake injury. No. I said I hoped it would be just a mental break to regather himself. Because they were not sending him back down to AAA to figure it out. Unfortunately, it ended up being a season-ending injury for him. Unfortunately. Come on, Nick. You can't come on here and do that. Up next is a special NFC East showdown of my beatboxing segment, which is a, um, I would say, definitely a host favorite. I think you guys like it too. Madeline Burke of Giants.com and Sports Illustrated is competing for the Giants. And for the Cowboys, it's RJ Choppy. He's the morning show host on 105.3 The Fan, our WFAN sister station down there in Dallas. All of that with a live vote on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, coming up next. Welcome to Beatboxing, where beat reporters from each team square off inside your listening device. Let's meet this week's contenders. I like the way you work, no Representing the visiting team, New York Giants, Madeline Burke, TV host for the New York Giants and a reporter for Sports Illustrated. Medals round my neck because I won, I won. Repping the home team, Dallas Cowboys, RJ Choppy, morning show host, 1053 The Fan, which is our WFAN sister station in Dallas. All right, let's have a good, clean fight. Round one is my favorite round, the emoji round. RJ, choose and explain one emoji, not a GIF or GIF, to explain your team at this very moment in week five. There were so many uh, that I had to go to choose from. Uh, The one I'm most familiar with is the middle finger, because that's what I usually get most in a text message for people, especially girls. Uh, (laughs) But I went with the burger, the hamburger, because the mantra of this Cowboys team is 40 burger. They aim to score 40 every single week. Defense be damned. We don't care about defense. We don't want defense. We want offense. We want entertainment. We want scoring. We want a lot of points. We want Dak Prescott to win the MVP. We want everybody to go home happy and Kellen Moore to take over this entire operation and tell Jason Garrett exactly what he was missing when he was here. So, Burger, 
is my emoji. 40 burger. They're going to put up 40 in this game. No, they're not. I don't even think they're going to come close to 40, but 40 burger. Burger is my emoji. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you're coming at it like an all-star game approach. Who needs defense? I mean, they do have a star on their helmets for a reason, playing that all-star mentality. But I went for the New York football giants with that little face with the smoke coming out of his nose, like that, hmm, because we all heard those comments that former Dallas Cowboy Troy Aikman made. And you know what? We need to put some respect on this Giants team. Their record aside, this team is a resilient team. They have lost offensive captain uh, Nick Gates, starting center, defensive captain Blake Martinez. They continue to build and make momentum, and they got the win in New Orleans last week in a very improbable way. I think they're coming in fired up. They heard the comments. They got that bulletin board material. They are ready to go. Although I did see Joe Judge did say that they don't have bulletin boards in the in the locker room anymore. They are TV screens. He was being literal. They don't have actual literal cork boards in the locker room. Doesn't mean. <laughs> Round two, Dak Prescott. So same NFL week, same stadium, same opponent. One year ago, literally almost to the day, Dak Prescott suffered that compound fracture, the dislocated ankle. Madeline, is Dak Prescott the front runner for 2021's NFL Comeback Player of the Year? I think absolutely he is. And I think, you know, the other candidates for the award, somebody like Joe Burrow, Saquon Barkley, haven't quite come out swinging as strong as Dak has. Christian McCaffrey already down with another injury as well. But that aside, not just that the other guys aren't playing as well, Dak is playing incredibly well. He's on pace to set career highs in completion percentage, in passer rating this season. His 10 passing touchdowns through four games in is the most in his career and tied for the third most through four games in Cowboys history. He's just sitting there off to a strong start, making some plays, setting some records. I have so many more stats, but I'm going to leave some on the board for RJ because I'm sure he's coming with those as well. I think we're going to be in agreement on this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are going to be in agreement. Um, he, he clearly is. I mean, he basically, Alex Smith last year was a perfect example. He basically had to just take the field and he was going to win the award. And that doesn't mean that the other guys aren't deserving. This has never been an award about who plays better post-injury. This is an award about who comes back from the more severe injury. It's, it, you know, it probably shouldn't be that way, uh, but, but it mo- more likely is. The, the big thing for me is Dak is not only probably going to win the comeback player of the year, but if the Cowboys get to like 11 wins, he's probably going to win the MVP too because the MVP is all about who surprises the most. It should be Patrick Mahomes every year. He's the greatest quarterback in the world. But it's not going to be. It's same with LeBron James. It's who surprises the most, who does something. Oh, the Cowboys can't win 11 games. So, yeah, he is going to be the comeback player of the year. Um, I put a small bet on a comeback player of the year on Sam Darnold because he is coming back from Adam Gase. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Fired. That's true. Woo. Round three, the most intriguing storyline. RJ, besides the Dak Prescott story, which you just talked about, what is the most intriguing storyline in this game and why? You know, for me, the most intriguing storyline in this game is, is always when the, when the Cowboys and Giants play, it's Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was here for a decade, uh, actually more than that, because he was here from like 07 to, to 2019. And he had been here in the past before that with as a player. Him coming home with the amount of uh, love that he and the Jones family have for each other. They're very, very close. He's almost like a friend. Uh, he's a son to them, really. That's the big storyline for me. It's Jason Garrett always returning. What kind of wrinkle does he have? You know, it would not surprise me one bit. 
if Jason Garrett didn't open the game with a flea flicker. Jason Garrett didn't throw a flea flicker in 10 years here. And it would not surprise me if there wasn't some triple reverse option, Daniel Jones going down the sideline, because evidently he's the fastest guy in the Giants, so it's Jason Garrett. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, coaching overlap. Jason Garrett, obviously the biggest storyline. Uh, former Giants tight end coach Glenda Wells is now with the Cowboys. You've got Ben McAdoo over there in Dallas. But I'm going to go with Daniel Jones, who is quietly having a career year. He's having a career season in completion percentage, in passing yards, in giveaways. He had that fumble in week one, and yes, he did have an interception last week, but again, that was at a Hail Mary at the end of the half, so I think we got to put a little asterisk by that. He's controlling the ball, his passer rating, all a career high, and he's one of three players with 1,000 or more passing yards and 150 or more rushing yards, joining Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. This man is playing well. He's playing confident. This offensive line that has been a huge question mark is shoring things up, and I think it's going to be time to earn some respect on this stage for Daniel Jones. Round four, the first round draft picks. The Cowboys pick Parsons at 12. The Giants selected Tony at 20. Which player will have a bigger impact on this game, Madeline? You know, I think Micah Parsons is a lot of fun to watch. He's a beast. I loved watching him on Hard Knocks. But I'm going to say Kadarius Tony, the human joystick. This man has been, as Amani Toomer said on our post game last week, and, and I am running with this one, he's quicker than a hiccup. This man, and, and the way that he describes how he makes defenders miss, he's like, well, it's like freeze tag. You know, if they're going left, you got to go right. How is it that simple? How is it that simple for a rookie who's out there, you know, third and 18, getting that yak, easily making that conversion? And he's had limited reps. So I think the more tape that we see from Kadarius Tony, the more we see him on this field, defenses are going to be like, wow, wow, this guy can do a lot more than I thought. Uh, look, I'm looking for Kadarius Tony's stats here. I'm looking for him on like the, uh, the top receiver. I don't even, I can't even, my thing doesn't scroll down that far. I have no idea who he is. Um, <laughs> No, seriously, exactly. it's probably it's probably Tony from the positional value standpoint. If the Cowboys and I swear to God they do this, I am I am not a fan of arson, but I'm considering it. Uh, like this, if they play Micah Parsons at linebacker because they cut Jalen Smith and not at defensive end where he can actually you know I don't know impact the game, uh, then it's going to be Tony. If they play him at linebacker, it's Tony. If they play him at defensive end for you know more than half his snaps, it's going to be Micah Parsons because you know. I don't trust Daniel uh, Daniel Jones. He's gonna Mike is gonna force like seven fumbles, so Tony won't even get the ball. But you're right. If he plays with linebacker, what the Cowboys stupidly will do, it will be Tony. I'm just gonna go ahead and chime in there too. And the fact that you said, you know what, I don't even know who this guy is. That's why I think he's going to be a bigger impact because you look at this. He's he didn't play in the preseason. He was injured. He was dealing with COVID issues. He's been kind of very slowly brought along. He had limited reps, limited plays. Has gotten on the field more and more. And as we're seeing more of him, we're seeing how talented he is. But still, he hasn't made a play yet. He hasn't been that guy that people are are zeroing in on or honing in on and so he's still a bit of an anomaly that that people don't quite know what we what the giants have with him and i think that is going to be to his benefit and, and i will never give credit to a florida gator i mean i'm a tennessee grad so that's that's a sticking point i can't root for tony i cannot do that you i i you're gator chopping me i could tell no i can't do that <laughs> round five know your competition uh the weakest unit of my opponent's team is what rj oh this is easy it's joe judge the walking 
bumbling boob that is Joe Judge. I mean, when I saw him dive on the ground in mud to get a football or try to play Mr. Tough Guy with his sort of, I don't know, I, I just, I, Joe Judge to me is the perfect example of why Dave Gettleman is the gift to the rest of the NFC East. Joe Judge just loves to show that special teams is good. I love him. He punts on fourth and inches. It's fantastic. He is a gift to the NFC East. Dave Gettleman is a gift to the NFL. There's no saving them. The only thing saving them is the ownership, tipping over more trash cans and firing both of those fools. Tipping over more trash cans, exactly. Uh, Madeline, the weakest unit of the Cowboys is? I like that specific reference right there, too. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, listen, the Cowboys are good, right? We know this. But their defense, their overall defense, 26 in the league. Cowboys are actually 30th in the league in terms of yards per play allowed. And that matched up with the Giants team that in week four put up 8.08 yards per play. Very specific, but got to get specific because that's good for third most of any team in any game this season. Also, the run defense, Cowboys run defense, yes, they are number six in the NFL, allowing just 81 yards per game. But last week, Dallas did limit the Panthers running backs. But quarterback Sam Darnold, he averaged nearly six yards per carry with two scores. Dual threat Daniel, can he capitalize on this? I think so. Daniel Jones leads the NFL, not quarterbacks. I'm talking about the entire NFL in yards per carry this season with seven yards per attempt. He's also team's leading rusher. Uh, I think he's going to get some Danny wheels. Who needs dimes when you got wheels? Yeah, let me tell you, this Cowboys defense, all the numbers fool you. It's a bad defense. They're, everyone's focusing on the turnovers. They're like 29, 30th in yards. It's terrible, right? It's, it's, an, it's yeah. not a very good defense. So, yeah, I, it clearly is the weak link unit on this team, no doubt. Well, that's how they built the team through the draft and everything. They were, you know, that's how they were doing it. It was offense. Like you said in the beginning, that was it. Yeah, we're here about fun. We're not winning. We're here about fun. Are we having fun yet? (laughs) (laughs) Madeline, round six, key matchup for your team, for the Giants to win on Sunday. What is your key matchup to keep an eye on? Uh, I mean, hey, RJ just mentioned that the Cowboys defense isn't great. I think the Giants defense really needs to step up right now as well. Last season, the defense was the backbone of this team, was the strength of this team and was, you know, the cornerstone of the success that they were able to find in the later part of the season. But this year, they haven't quite found that groove. And, you know, last week in that win in New Orleans, they became just one of three teams to win a game this season with zero sacks and one of just two to do so with zero quarterback hits. The Giants need to get pressure on the quarterback. They also can't be missing tackles. You saw Taysom Hill run through like half the defense to get into the end zone. And you know what? The guys are focusing so much on punching the ball loose. they got to prioritize tackling. I talked to DB's coach Jerome Henderson this week. He said, you know what? First guy to get there has to bring the man to the ground. If other guys come up, they can help punch that ball out. But you got to get the man to the ground. Otherwise, we're going to see what we saw last week just running through half the defense. RJ, for your team to win on Sunday, what is your key matchup to keep an eye on? It is uh, for uh, for the Cowboys. It is Anthony Brown against whoever he is covering at that particular time. He was abysmal in the opener against Tampa. His pro football focus grade and coverage was like a 49. Each of the last three weeks has been about a 75, so he's improved. Uh, But he is, you know, now that Jalen Smith's gone, he is the new Cowboys scapegoat. Jalen Smith, it was used to be Jason Garrett. And then what you couldn't scapegoat Jason Garrett anymore, it moved on to Jalen Smith. And then once you cut him and he couldn't scapegoat him, it's Anthony Brown. Basically, they just want to base any nice guy they're going to scapegoat. That's what's kind of happening. 
Uh, Anthony Brown's got a tattoo of a chip on his shoulder. He's going to need that entire chip. He's going to need the entire chip this weekend. Uh, he is the key guy for this team, the matchup. If the Cowboys win the Anthony Brown matchup, they should be fine. Finally, round seven, the game outcome. So the last I checked, could have changed, but the last I checked, the Giants are seven-point underdogs. Obviously, it depends on where you look. Um, and we could still see some fluctuation in that. But, RJ, who wins this game and how does it play out? You know, the only thing that's keeping me from uh, thinking the Cowboys win this game by 700 points is the fact that the Giants seem to, for some, for some reason, play well on the road. I don't know how they do this. Okay, I don't know why they do this. But, I, um, you know, like the Cowboys win 35-21. That's the score that I have. Uh, the Cowboys win 35-21. Uh, they are a they're they're just a better team. Their offense, I don't know. There's maybe what the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bucks. There's a handful of teams that can keep up offensively with the Cowboys. I don't think the Giants are one of them. Home road doesn't matter. I don't, I don't think the Giants can keep up offensively with the Cowboys. Even though the Giants do have weapons, like you know, they got decent receivers, good running game. Daniel Jones is playing better. It's just not enough for the way this Cowboys offense is humming. Forty burger, baby. Uh, you know, I'm going to say I just can't go on the record not saying the Giants are going to win just because the same reason as last week. Everyone's going to pick the Cowboys. Everyone common sense is going to say, obviously, looking at the stats, the way these teams match up, the Cowboys should win this game. But that's exactly why I think the Giants will win it. Right. I think that this is just I mean, an NFC division matchup an nfc east matchup is always everything's up in the air and you know patrick graham talked about it earlier this week years ago one of his first games as a, an assistant coach he was standing next to jason pierre paul years ago during the national anthem and jpp turned to him and said hey this ain't the jets a little different huh it's a different vibe it's a different environment guys are gassed up guys are juiced giants offense is starting to hit his stride cowboys we know can put up points i think it's going to be a very high scoring game but i think it's going to be decided by a last second field goal which the giants have seen all too frequently but hopefully this one goes in new york's favor and here's kevin dexter oh, i'm sorry pete mccarthy here's pete mccarthy with an update you guys